Hey, this is Freddie Nelson, and you're listening to John on Iron City Rocks.
episode 24 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh-based hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music. In episode 24, I had the uh, wonderful opportunity to speak to Pittsburgh native Freddie Nelson. Some of you may remember Freddie from back in the late 80s with a band called Triple X. Freddie's gone on to make a living uh, making some great music, including bands like Toot Hall Jones, a solo project, and most recently a collaboration with Greensburg alumni Paul Gilbert. The first song you heard on today's show was called The Last Rock and Roll Star, which is from the album United States. Freddie was gracious enough to spend some time talking to us not only about the United States record, but also his previous work with Tooth Hall Jones and some of his other uh, illustrious career. So before we get into the interview, I'm going to play a track from the band Tooth Hall Jones, uh, which is primarily Freddie with a couple other folks. Uh, this is a song called You Ain't Nothing, uh, and then we'll get into the interview.
folks, on the line we have Pittsburgh native Freddie Nelson. Freddie, how are you doing today? How are you doing, John? Great. I wanted to um, take the chance uh, to talk to you and kind of find out what's going on in your career, um, bring people up to date, those of us who remember the triple X days, kind of find out what you've been doing since then, talk about your newest projects, um, obviously most notably the United States CD you did with Paul Gilbert. Um, wow, the, uh, the triple X days are a little hazy for me. I was drinking a lot then, but... Uh... But uh, yeah, I just did a uh, I just did a, a record with uh, guitar legend Paul Gilbert, which is uh, titled United States. We just did a uh, sold out tour of Japan recently, and uh, it's uh, the album's doing pretty well around the world. Now, how did you come to work with Paul? You guys, you did you know each other from, like back in the day? I should say it, Paul moved to California pretty early. Yeah, we That's actually right. we, we we talked about it a little bit. I don't remember actually meeting him. I always knew of him. I, I remember from real early on there was a um, there was a cassette tape. I was probably about fourteen years old, thirteen or fourteen years old. I remember this cassette tape that was circulating throughout the area and had this uh, this kid that was playing guitar on it that was just off the charts and the, you know and listening to it, I'm like, man, this is unbelievable. I'm like, how old is this guy? He's like, he's your age. And I'm like. This can't be, you know. This is just crazy because it was just phenomenal. But uh, I don't really think we actually met. We knew of each other, and uh, just because we played with a lot of different people from the area and stuff. But uh, we we never actually had an opportunity to uh, to write together or uh, to play together until now. Yeah, you know, Triple X was. Um, is that your first band? That was. Uh, that wasn't my first band. That that was the that was the first band I was able to make a make a living off of. I actually probably should have been able to retire off that band, but uh, it was just a uh, it was a solid rock and roll band. And uh, you, you know, I think with anything, there was a lot of uh, maybe some timing at, at the time that the, the thing was happening, things, and maybe some personality conflicts that uh, that didn't work out in it, but. Uh, but it was it was just a pretty solid rock and roll band, you know. Like anything too. I mean, your band is your family, and uh, you know, every one of those guys are still my brothers to this day. I started the band with uh, Chris Procopio, who's a phenomenal drummer, and I think he just wrote a uh, wrote and a starring in a play, and geez, I can't remember the name of it at the moment. But uh, but uh, started that with him, and uh, every one of those guys are, are still my brothers to this day. How long did you guys stay together? Were you did you guys make it into the 90s? Um, yeah, probably, I think it was like from, I want to say 89 to uh, maybe 93 or something like that. I went through a lot of uh, personnel changes because of different, you know, people drop off, get married, get day jobs, different things like that. But uh, but I think the band at its, uh, probably its best incarnation was probably from maybe 90. Two to ninety three, I want to say. Okay, like, maybe ninety one. Ninety one. Did you have much? I know. I, back in in that era, I know a lot of record companies were kind of signing everybody. Did you guys have much right. major label interest? Well, you know, for a period of time, it, there was. You know, we were actually we were bouncing back and forth from the east coast and the west coast, and actually 
sitting in some of the most powerful offices in the world. And, um, you know, the rug kind of got um, pulled out from underneath it. I mean, it, and it's like anything, you know, people get bogged down with life and uh, mm-hmm. there's always things that cause the demise of uh, of bands, whether it be addictions or, uh, you know, difficult girlfriends mm-hmm. or wives or just, just getting disgruntled with the business. And that that's basically what happened with that. But it, you know, for, for a period of time and during the, uh, during the span where we had a couple of releases, it was just a, it was a rock solid band, for sure. I you know I came across a uh, a uh, uh, it was on a on a vintage record site and it had a our first EP release and I think our released Bang, and the EP was going for like eleven hundred bucks and uh, I think Bang was going for like six hundred because they're both out of print now. Yeah, I I have to admit in, in preparation for this I, I started looking around and. I remember having you guys had a song on it, well, one of the TV CDs, didn't you? Back in that kind of time uh, frame. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, I don't think it ever got. I don't think it was ever released on a uh, on a full length CD. I think there was something that was uh, that was put on one of the you know compilation discs for the radio station or something. I had that on. I had that on. I'm gonna say maybe cassette. I don't even remember at this point. But I remember that was the only song I think I had from you guys. They're trying to find your right. material. That was impossible. Yeah, it's so there, I saw something. There was something on a German site too. I saw that uh, that uh, the the CD bang was uh, was going for an extraordinary amount of money, and it was it was kind of funny. I don't even have a copy of any of that stuff. Are there ever talks, or do you guys you guys don't own the masters of those? Um, we we actually do. I have to be honest with you, though. I don't even. I'm not sure who has them. I think Chris may have them, or uh, an old uh, an old manager of ours may have them. I'm not sure, but I know they're floating around somewhere. Somebody's garage or a self storage unit or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. That might be your pension fund. Then. Big those out. <laughs> yeah. Get one sure. of life on Guitar Hero and get back together. You, in X, you you were just a guitar player. You did I just played guitar. Music. Yeah, I I, uh, I uh, think back up. Okay. But uh, yeah, I was a guitar player in Triple X. Okay, and then from once you know Triple X sort of dissolved, how did you continue to make a living as a musician? I mean, that's kind of a, a you know as a, as a guy who plays guitar, always been a mystery of mine. You know, well, I kind of I I went into the um more of the recording end of it at that point and stuff and started actually producing some people. And, uh, I also picked up a, uh, picked up an acoustic and just started going out and doing acoustic shows, which is, uh, that in itself can be pretty terrifying. I mean, only, only because, you know, you're, you're so used to having like a, uh, you know, loud marshals behind you and, and cranking them up and, and digging into your guitar and having a band for reinforcement when you, you know, when you walk out and, in front of uh, two or three thousand people with just an acoustic, you know you're pretty naked, but it, it you really got to dig deep, and you know it really really helps develop you as a uh, as an artist, and it makes you a little more a little more rounded, also. And if you can if you can turn them on at that point, then uh, then uh, you're digging into something right, I think. But uh, yeah, I, I mainly just I, I went into a lot of different areas, uh, recording area, and uh, you know doing acoustic shows and, and things like that. So I think it made me more of a uh, rounded 
uh, musician, well-rounded musician. You do session work, also. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Like for other artists or um, like. Yeah, yeah, mostly other other artists. I'll get I'll get a call for either production work or, uh, you know, somebody needs uh, something done. You know, whether it be guitar, mm-hmm. mandolin, bass, what you know, anything. So, yeah, a lot of session like work. Steve Lucas or for a new age. Yeah. Right. Did you find anything that uh, exceptionally that, that you can tell us that you're exceptionally proud of, or that was exceptionally noteworthy, or something you're completely embarrassed by? I'm I'm sorry, I didn't I, I couldn't hear you. Just repeat the question. Was there anything in particular that you can tell us that you worked on that you're that was very successful or very noteworthy, or on the opposite, something that you may not have been the most proud of? Um, you mean from a production standpoint, or or even recorded playing on? Um, man, I, uh, off the top of my head, I really can't think of, uh, I can't think of anything that, uh, I don't think anything that, that I would be in, in, embarrassed of. I'm just really, uh, I'm pretty fortunate, you know, to be able to make my living, uh, picking up a guitar or, or singing. I've been able to do that for a fairly extended period of time. So, you know, anytime I get an opportunity to do it and, uh, and make money, I'm, uh, I just consider myself a pretty fortunate guy and, and uh, just, just pretty you, grateful for it. When you do like your acoustic tour you mentioned or even with your your band now is called Two Tall Jones or is that, is, that, is that project over as well? Well, Two Tall Jones was, was actually, it was actually more of a, a, wasn't really a band. It was, I had a bunch of songs and there was a country artist uh, named Ford Thurston uh that had a bunch of songs, and we kind of went in to the studio and just kind of put each other's flavor on on what we had. And uh, I think we used like probably five or six different drummers and three or four different bass players. At the tail end, we brought in uh, Patrick Norman, bass player for Rusted Root, who's just an incredibly talented guy, player and a singer, and just a first-class human being. And uh, we wrote a couple of songs with him. And then uh, we we put a band together, which included uh, Ford, myself, Patrick, and Ronnie Lavella, who is now playing with Vertical Horizon, I believe. Okay. And uh, we went out we went out and uh, toured that release a little bit, the bipolar release, and uh, then you know it was just a different thing. Patrick had to he went back out with uh, he had to go back out on tour with Rusted Root, and. Uh, I, ro- I rotated a bunch of people in and out of there. I probably I probably used four or five different drummers and three or four different bass players. Mm-hmm. And now um, you're working currently on a solo album. Is this your? I'm working on, I'm working on a solo album right now. Yeah, and I'm probably going to release that in Japan and uh, Europe. And uh, I don't know about the states. We'll see. Hopefully in the states. But um, working on that and uh, yeah, just uh, creating music. Uh, is, is Japan seem a little more conducive? Is that kind of the how that works? And it seems like a lot of releases, even now that we see in the U.S., come out there a month early or you know, in Japan and don't come out in the U.S. at all. Is it is just Japanese artists a little more into melodic rock music than U.S. market? Well, I I have this um I have this ongoing and unstoppable love affair with Japan. From the first, I mean, ever since I went over there the first time, I mean, the culture and the people are incredible, and uh, and uh, it's just a uh, 
it's an incredible place and a very it's, it's just a very respectful people and uh you know when we toured over there the uh, we we took the uh the bullet train from city to city so I got to see a lot of the countryside and uh, a lot of the traditional Japanese structure and stuff like that. Tokyo is pretty westernized but uh right. man the people and, and and the culture is just just beautiful, respectful. Paul actually lived there I I think for a while and I you know, there was one point in time I, I just told him, I, I just, man, I, I see what your lore is with this place. It's, it's great. But yeah, uh, I know. You, from, a, from a musical standpoint, they they really seem to just appreciate music. I don't think it it goes into any one genre or anything like that, but they, they're just really appreciative of it over there, it seems. Well, I know um, Marty Friedman, I believe, after he left Megadeth, and move there as well. I think he's probably a bigger star in Japan now than he was even in Megadeth. You know? Well, it's it, it's funny because you you know when we were there, I think we went over for a uh, press tour or something before we actually toured over there, and there would be crowds of people waiting, you know, at, at your hotel room whenever you would go in just for you know autographs and pictures and mm-hmm. and things like that. It's really. It, that it's quite different <laughs> from here doing a tour over here, but uh, man, it's just it's just awesome, it really is. Yeah. One thing I noticed about Japan, which was uh, which was really really interesting, I think we were going to soundcheck or something one day, and there were all these. Everybody rides. Well, a lot of people ride bicycles, and this is down in the heart of of Tokyo. Uh, a lot of people just ride bicycles, and they've got these bike racks, you know, kind of along the streets there, and there was probably two or three hundred bicycles just all along the street, and I'm looking, and I'm like, man, there's not a lock or a chain or or anything on them, and um, I got into, I think it was like the second show in Tokyo or something like that, my publisher was uh, backstage afterwards, and I said, and he, this is a guy that was, he's like a city boy there, he was born and raised in Tokyo his entire life, but he, he's fluent in English, and we were talking, and I said, you know, man, it was amazing to me that... Uh, and I just saw all these bicycles out there, and there were there were no locks or no chains on them. And he he just looks at me real hot, and he goes, "Nobody steals in Japan." And I just found that incredibly yeah. fascinating. I mean, I can understand that you know, for a certain area, you can say, "Well, it's a, this area, you know, a lot of people have money or something, or this area is gated, so nobody steals." But I mean, to say that about a a culture is just you know, and a people is just a testament to how they are and how respectful they are. Yeah, that is fascinating. Yeah. The um. Now, when you guys you toured, you said for um, when the United States came out, did you just tour overseas? There was no U.S. tour for that, was there? Uh, yeah, we haven't done we haven't done a U.S. tour right after uh, uh, we did the tour of Japan. The uh, Mr. Big Thing hit, so they went out and and they did that. And uh, but uh, I don't I don't know what's going on with that. I know Paul's actually real busy right now doing some things. But uh, yeah, sure. the tour over there was amazing. We. Uh, you know, we well, we get a ton of airplay like there in Europe and stuff. So it was, I think everything was pretty much sold out. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did like three or four cities. We did multiple shows in in Tokyo. And uh, actually, right after we got done with the tour, they recorded four of the shows. And Paul and I went into a uh, a studio in Tokyo, and uh, we did like four marathon sessions, studio sessions, and mixed uh, four of the shows, which I believe. They're already released in Japan, and they'll be released uh, in Europe and here uh, soon, in the next few months. So that'll be as an audio 
CD, not a DVD? Right. Yeah, audio CDs. Yeah. Okay. Is that through Mascot Records? Is that? Yeah, through Mascot. Uh, okay. Are, are you with Mascot, or is it just the combination with Mascot? Uh, it's the combination with right now. Paul's actually Paul actually assigned to Mascot Records, so they're the distributors. Uh, basically, it's licensed to them, and they distribute the record. Okay. Well, that's excellent. I was certainly looking for that. I, was it uh, most of the show strictly just the album, the material on the album, or is there some? I, I can imagine there's probably some shredding here and there. We did some. Uh, we actually, it was really great, man. I, you know, I, you know, for me myself, I cut my teeth as a guitar player my entire life and made my living for a long period of time as a guitar player. I never really became a, a singer until eight or nine years ago. But I, I would front bands from like the guitar player position, but. I mean, to uh, when we were doing these songs live, and we did these songs, we did some of Paul's solo stuff, and uh, we did some cover things, but uh, we would actually have guitar battles each night, Paul and I, and it, I would get some really, you know, there would be some really surreal moments for me sitting there doing these guitar battles with, you know, what I perceive as the greatest guitar player in the world, and just battling back and forth, you know, just trading fours off, you know, back and forth, and it was a... Uh, it was a pretty cool thing, man. It was uh, it was really surreal, but uh, yeah, it was great. We did a uh, we did a lot of different things each night, and uh, we did some a uh, couple of cover tunes. But uh, yeah, we record uh, four of the shows we recorded, and uh, they'll be released soon. That's, that's, that's excellent. I um I was I was one of my questions, and you answered it for me already. Was if that was just a one-off thing, or you know, but a, a live album is a great souvenir, and it's got to be. Really cool to look back and you know have that well they did it artist it, or uh they were done actually like the uh the who live at Leeds uh the way they did it they just did it in like cardboard sleeves but what they they did they they came out and took you know multiple pictures video and everything of every every show and they put uh, collages of pictures on uh each individual show so it really individualized uh each performance like there was one in Osaka uh, I think one in Nagoya and uh two in Tokyo, I believe. And uh it's the I, I guess they come equipped with posters and things. I don't know if those will be in the American and European releases, but I know they were in the Japanese releases. But uh, it was it was pretty cool package the way they packaged it and put it together. That was uh W H D over in Japan. Yeah, that's I I like that. I mean artists will do that when they tour, you know. I, I know Pearl Jam did that for a period of time where every show was right, yeah. put out. I right. know uh, I was fortunate enough to get a CD. You know, I I grew up loving live album. Kiss Alive was probably my first love, honestly. And I've always honestly preferred live albums to studio albums just because you know, you're buying the experience of, of being there. Especially yeah, absolutely right. 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 Yeah, you're you're getting a different energy, I think, with it. I and I agree with you. I think for me. You know, I I wore out uh, "Made in Japan" Deep Purple from mm-hmm. uh, that my brother had. You know, just listening to it, wore, actually wore the record out. But uh, I agree, you just get a, a completely different feel, and you actually get a you know a pretty genuine feel of uh, of what the artist you know is doing and how he comes across. I think. Sans uh, the overdubbing, but that's a different story. But I mean, yeah, that was one thing I was kind of disillusioned. 20 years later to learn that Kiss kind of doctored up, and then yeah, yeah. which everybody True. goes through. And stuff. But you know, in my, in my mind, it's still it's a really cool thing. 
Well, that was that was the one cool thing about about these records that we released. I mean, they actually it's the the show, like even the banter in between and everything like that, and it's it's exactly the show from start to finish. That you know what what you're hearing is that we left all the uh, all the mistakes and all the <laughs> all the flat notes and uh, bad notes and and everything in. So it uh, it definitely is what it is, but it gives a genuine feel of what the uh, what the live shows were like. How, how do you prepare to do a guitar battle with Paul? I'm curious. As a, as a kind of ask it <laughs> well, myself, and I'm, obviously you're way more accomplished than I. But you know, in watching Paul's, you know, like his, the DVDs he released for the last couple of solo albums, where he you know, breaks down the parts, and he's got two uh, or three more gears than most people do when it comes to his picking. Yeah, yeah. Know. First of first of all, you get really really nervous and. Uh, and really scared, <laughs> you know, you hope that he just doesn't uh, crush it too much. Well, it's funny. I was talking to uh, Mike Zuder about this, who was the uh, who was the bass player on the tour, and he tours with Paul a lot. You know, he you start into these battles and you start doing things with him, and then uh, we actually did this. We even when when we first got together and started writing this record, you know, for the first I would say four days, we would just throw guitars on and hit the record button and just like play back and forth, just whatever, you know, just kind of trading fours and trading licks and just to kind of learn each other's tendencies. And and he would do stuff. You know, I would sit there and think in the back of my mind, oh, man, I'm, you know, I'm keeping up with him really great. This is awesome. You know, this is Paul Gilbert. I'm staring right with him. And then he would just do something that was just completely off the charts, and I would just start cracking up, you know, just like throw the guitar down. And, uh, it, yeah, he's, he's a pretty amazing guy. But, uh, you know, the energy live and, and the crowd and everything really takes you over and uh, and uh it's just from a from it's almost theater for me man it's just it's something that it it just takes you away and it was just a great experience really really cool and you know his wife emmy is uh she's a pianist and she's just she's as brilliant as he is uh, on as a, on the piano and it, she was doing this one thing it was funny uh we were in a studio and I could hear her playing something like it was real ambient because she was in another room. And uh, we were working on something, and he, he turned to me and he asked me a question about something. I'm sitting there, I was being dragged away, like my ear was being pulled away by what I was hearing because the right hand wasn't making sense with what the left hand was doing. She was playing some salsa piece. So I'm, I'm like, man, I got to go see what's going on here. I went out and I, was, I asked her to play it for me again because what she was playing with the right hand didn't seem like it could make sense with what the left hand was doing. It would almost seem like it would have to be coming from two different people instead of out of the same body, but it was, she was doing it, and it was like a different time signature on the right hand than what the left hand was doing. I'm like, how are you splitting that in your mind? It was just incredible, but she's uh, she's quite brilliant. She really is an incredible musician. I even I told him, like, man, between the both of you guys, I want to walk out into traffic here. The, um, she was actually toward him on the G3, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, she actually... Yeah, she did the tour with us also. That's cool. I know he's a a very um, energetic performer. I know in in the G3 show, I was surprised. Um, You know, he came out, and he's got kind of a different thing with the headphones going on, and I hadn't seen Paul, obviously... I don't even know if he's played in this area since really the Lean Into It tour with Mr. Big. Right. And 
he came out and he started his stuff, and I don't think a lot of people knew what to expect from him. And by the end of his set on that G3 thing, I think the whole venue was on their feet. You know, and he's really energetic. You know, he's got that charisma that I think, you know, helps, especially in, in instrumental music. Well, I think a lot of these guys and a lot of these, you know, virtuosos and stuff, and I, and I mean no disrespect to them, but they, they just kind of leave me flat because they've got these technical abilities that are off the charts, but they, they've got no feel and you've got to be able to connect on, you know, on a quantum level with something you're listening to. And he's, he's, that's the, he's a guy that just makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck because he, he's still able to, you know, his technical abilities are obviously off the charts, but he's, he's able to apply this feel to, to what he's playing that, that really hits your soul. You know what I mean? And it gets, hits you deep. Yeah, it's more than just he uses it as a tool in his arsenal as opposed to his entire act. Yeah, exactly. He can kick it into overdrive when it's appropriate, but he can slow it down. You know, right. And, I mean, one of the most memorable solos that I think came out of the decade of the 80s was the solo that to be with you, but it's not, not exactly well, he, a Malmsteen-ish lick. You know, it's just a simple thing that fits the melody of the song, and it's very memorable. I think that it, I think a lot of these guys are almost incapable of distinguishing when it's necessary to shut it off. You know, mm-hmm. and, and with the whole "Hey, look what I can do" thing, and and then, you know, hit the, hit the gas at the appropriate time. He's just one of those guys that's able able to apply that. Certainly. Okay, well, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, Freddie. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I. Wish you guys the best of luck in the future. Really? Or do you have any shows coming up or anything in the area? Um, I sit in with a lot of people when I'm in town. I don't I don't have a lot. I do a lot with uh, some really talented guys from the uh, the band Grapevine, Kevin McDonald and Jean Margazori. So I sit in with them a lot acoustically. But uh, offhand, I I can't think of anything relatively soon. I just hope to uh, hope to see everybody soon live at a show. <laughs> Love to see you guys come through and. Do a U.S. tour. That would be a, a real trip to see people. Yeah, I'm, 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 ho- I'm hoping that happens in the uh, near future. That'd be great. Wonderful. Okay, thanks, Freddie. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, John.
right, that was the answer from the album United States from Freddie Nelson and Paul Gilbert. Um, you can find links on our website, www.ironcityrocks.com, under podcast, um, to download the United States from iTunes, or if you go to our iTunes store link, there's also a link there. Or if you're uh, an old-timer like myself and you'd like to get a copy of the actual physical CD, we have a link to it on our Amazon store as well. If you use those links, it uh, just helps us out a little bit, doesn't cost you anything extra. certainly helps Freddie and Paul um, keep this kind of music alive, so I'd appreciate uh, for all three of us that you would uh, take the time to get the CD. It's a really phenomenal record. If you'd like to find more information out on Freddie, you can go to our podcast link as well. There's links to his sites, and you can find us also on um, MySpace at MySpace.com forward slash Iron City Rock. Uh, Twitter dot com forward slash iron city rocks with an s uh facebook is facebook.com forward slash iron city rocks also with an s and youtube's is iron city rocks as well the only one that's different is myspace because someone already had iron city rocks so uh like to take the time and friend us on any of those follow us on the twitter um we'd like to uh also make mention we have a new feature we're really excited about on our website called the concert calendar which is uh, powered by Polestar, which is a pretty prevalent concert organization. Uh, you can go to our website. We'll bring you the latest uh, concert listings for the city of Pittsburgh, both local and regional acts. That's updated uh, every time you refresh the page. So uh, you'll find out about shows uh, a lot of times even before they're announced in the paper or on uh, traditional terrestrial radio. So... Hope you enjoy that uh, page. Uh, we're looking to bring more than just uh, Polestar to that, so keep an eye on that in the future. Um, some new merchandise in the uh, store, so you can check that out as well. And hope you enjoyed this show. Uh, we'd appreciate your feedback either using the contact link or I really appreciate uh, feedback through iTunes. And uh, I hope you look forward to uh, the next episode, which will be our holiday special. It should be out uh, if not late November, early December, uh, going to be some great local Pittsburgh Christmas music. Till then, I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. Take care. <laughs>